what we have here is a failure to communicate. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are beginning our coverage of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean, the animated adaptation of Part 6, Episodes 1 through 3. Part 6 has been one I've been waiting for for a long time, partially because it was like the first one I had not already read all the way through for the manga, I believe, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or at least partially. Uh, and, you know... If you barely know anything about Part 6, the one thing you probably know is, hey, it's the one with the girl JoJo. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! We talked about First Guy. We talked about Guy I didn't know was in there. We talked about Hat Guy and Prince Guy and Blonde Guy, and now it's the girl one. Yay, the girl, the girl one. Uh, <laughs> after having all of Part 5 be all boys all the time, essentially, and having one girl who seemed pretty cool and then was almost never allowed to do anything. It's all ladies. It's all, all ladies. It's, it's practically all ladies. There are a few non-ladies. Mm -hmm. it's, it's heavy with ladies. Man, I wish I was heavy with ladies. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to Episode 1, Stone Ocean, which opens on bloody boys in the afternoon rain. Yep. We, we just get a, a small taste of what's going on here uh, with a woman narrating over it. Essentially just saying it was raining and then the, mm -hmm. seeing this woman distraught at what appears to be a man completely mangled from a car accident. Uh, we see that it is 5.35 p.m. on October the 28th, 2011, which means later this evening the Cardinals will win the World Series in Game <laughs> 7. It means that Jimmy Savile dies tomorrow. Mark your calendars, everybody. Oh We're going to have a party. Yeah, as uh, the camera pans over this scene, uh, it looks up to the clouds, which are an extremely dark purple. And we fade over to uh, the floor of a prison cell. And we mm -hmm. see a bunch of different women in, in various prison cells. Uh, and they're, and they're all reacting to this uh, metallic clanging noise that's just happening over and over again and are very confused. Until the camera spies uh, the source of it, it is that yet that young lady from the rain clonking her head on her bunk over and over again out of shame. Yeah. She's extremely embarrassed. She wants to, she, she's just saying out loud, so everyone else is hearing this, that she just wants to die. She's not embarrassed she's in prison. Well, No, yeah. it's, it's something a little more acute than that. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a woman next to this lady clonking her head on her bunk uh, who, who gets in a conversation with her here. Okay, so there's also a third woman who's basically just listening to this whole conversation who has enough mm -hmm. of a design to make it seem like, oh, is this lady important? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't need to keep playing coy. Uh, we have our main character, mm -hmm. Jolene, who's about to be named in like one minute from now. <laughs> yeah. Trying to bash her own brains in out of shame. And she has like two brightly colored hair buns and a, a braid behind it. A spider web pattern, uh, a halter top with a great big uh, heart with a sword in it, which matches her her butterfly with a sword tattoo. Yes. In the the car accident scene, she had a skirt made of webbing, just yeah, like a yeah. cargo net for a skirt. Yep. But now she got pants uh, uh, that that match her her top in its spider web pattern, and that's mm -hmm. that's Jolene. We're going to talk more about her later. The, the next door cell neighbor who is uh, uh, trying to get the, the straight dope, pull out what she's so embarrassed about, uh, is a, a uh, 
So yeah, she she is a, a moderately dark skinned woman with with like dark hair in in braids and green chunky bits. What are these in her hair? What is happening? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what those are. <laughs> if it were just the two on the sides, I would say it's some type of weird hair clip or something. Yeah, but imagine the halfway of... point between like a hair clip and a boxing helmet. Yeah, like the she's got this really wide green strip down the, the, the top middle of her head, which it's kind of the same size and shape as that little strip that sticks out on the top of Mega Man's helmet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, green? Yeah. Yes. Her color is green. She has like a, a sleeveless jacket over a, a, a like a sleeveless uh, a turtleneck sweater. Yeah, with like little triangle holes cut in to it all over mm-hmm, the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wide bands around each each bicep. The jacket is cut in like a like sort of a jester cut, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, toward the bottom. Yeah, she isn't wearing it in this first scene. That that like green jacket thing. So you can also see she's got like these on each bicep, like these big gold bangles ra- wrapped around her 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 biceps. Third lady, who uh, at, as far as these three episodes go, never gets a name. Nope. we don't have to care about her. She is she's got like what a dozen facial piercings. She she's oh, yeah. one of them tackle box ladies. Yeah, she she's got like the pier. She's got a pier an ear piercing that has like a little chain that connects to a piercing like on her cheek which then has another chain that connects to a piercing that is on her lip if any of those get caught in anything she's in big trouble but but eventually after a lot of coaxing a lot of hesitation she ev- uh, uh Jolene eventually says that, that what she's so mortified about is a prison guard caught her rubbing one out and she will never masturbate again for as long as she lives <laughs> yeah there's a bit here that was cut out of the anime that was in the manga, which is just like, you know, the, the lady that Jolene is talking to thinks this is very funny. It's just like, oh, who caught you? Is it the extremely handsome prison guard? <laughs> yes, it is. In the manga, it's not extremely handsome. Is oh, is it the guy that looks just like Tom Cruise? And he does. <laughs> Our bystanders. So, so the other inmates think this is the funniest thing they're loving this shit mm-hmm. and uh this is when jolene introduces herself yes she's named after the dolly parton song mm-hmm. one of the two dolly parton songs everyone knows she's got <laughs> thousands i think at this point long career so cast notes our very first cast notes mm-hmm. jolene's english voice is 2b in near automata yes uh has voiced several very small jojo's roles before but we did hear her as Raimi Sugimoto, the number one best JoJo's character of all time back in Diamond is Unbreakable. Yeah. So one other fact about this lady is Kira Buckland, who, yeah, yes. she's a slightly newer voice actress, but she's great. We've heard her before in something else a long, long time ago. Okay. She voiced the character known as Sylvia in the New Grounds Flash animated series what? Shin. <laughs> <laughs> she was fucking See, in shin dude now the the thing that's wonderful is both of the the voices we're going to talk about for jolene did come out of fan spaces yes. so i knew that kira buckland had like amateur newgrounds era career but i had no idea that was one of her credits that's amazing yeah that's like one of the first things she did i think when she was like a teenager like she's our age essentially 
Hot damn. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jolene's Japanese voice is also a, relatively, a relative newcomer to professional work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her first lead role was uh, uh, in How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift? And she's currently voicing Power in the Chainsaw Man adaptation. Oh, shit. That's cool. Uh, and she also dubbed for, for Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman in The Batman. Okay. Both both of these actors have stories of being huge Jolene fans before they were professional voice actors, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is just, it's really cool to see one person get to do like this dream come true role and two at the same time is just remarkable. Yeah, yeah. It won't be until episode two where the OP comes in, but also the band that does the OP for part six is a band that had done a bunch of fan-made, like, what-if OP songs for JoJo, for Part 6 specifically, <laughs> so... <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. So so back in the action, now, now that the topic is on the table, uh, the, these other uh, prisoners are asking Jolene all about her, her jerk habits, and uh, <laughs> she talks about how, you know, there's nothing more erotic than the moon, apparently. Just just couldn't wait. Yeah, specifically uh, the, the full moon coming through the... the... <laughs> The bars of her cell window? Mm-hmm. I mean, more like J.O.J.O.'s Bizarre Adventure, if you get what I mean. Whoa. Uh, but this piercings lady, kind of judgy, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the dub, the localization for the dub, you can tell it was like done with, with the knowledge that, hey, we're on Netflix and there aren't really censors, because I feel like there's a lot of words thrown around in here that you would not hear in an anime dub normally. I mean, aside from the fact that they say fuck multiple times in the the first three episodes. That's true. That's true. Yeah. uh, Which I was shocked to hear when I first watched these episodes. Like, Chojo said fuck? Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, It was just also the fact that you're hearing a whole bunch of vernacular, like, flicking the bean and stuff like that, which I don't think you could probably get away with in a a televised (laughs) dub normally. I don't know. It's called flicking the cloud gate. Come on. You're not really from Chicago. (laughs) Uh, So... (laughs) Jolene and Piercing's Lady enter into a Seinfeld episode yes, before. They do. I, I guess it makes sense because, like, that was before their time. You know, uh, mm-hmm. th- this is they're teenagers in 2011. They they don't know. They weren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the, this Piercy Lady, Piercing's Lady, is you know laughing up, saying like, "Man, you're a fucking crazy skank for getting turned on by the moon." I never think of perverted stuff like you two hoes. <laughs> the, the verbatim from the dub. And yeah, they, they just go, well, I'm never masturbating again. Bet you can't. I bet I can last longer. Okay, we're both not masturbating for a while. And then Jolene, just like, in case you didn't get, she's the new JoJo, uh, does this bizarre observation. Yes. Like, oh, I know from one of your ring fingers I can outlast you. And everybody's like, what What the fuck does that mean? And then we see the star birthmark on her shoulder. That's a JoJo right there. There it is. <laughs> it feels like a really weird, bizarre, like, almost young Joseph adjacent thing. Like, ooh, I, I could tell if you masturbated by your ring finger. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So what are the other five JoJo's jerking habits? We have to... <laughs> The question must be raised, and it must be answered. Okay. Jonathan does not know it exists, does not yes. realize it's an option, has, has never heard of such a thing. Has never done it, and if, even if he did, a gentleman would never jerk off. 
Joseph Joestar, the sleeper. Constantly. Constantly. Whenever we're not looking at him as a young man. Morning and night routine. (laughs) It's the only way he can get to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's the double sleeper. Both hands are asleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, and and just just uh, so we're clear, we're taking all of them when they were the main character, right? Yeah, this yeah, is part yeah. two, Joseph. Now part three, specifically Jotaro. I think he probably rents porn. Mm-hmm. Like he movies. definitely pays for it. Like yeah. it's it's all above board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he sends Star Platinum out to to steal magazines <laughs> for him, he like leaves behind a you know a couple bucks on the on the counter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josuke just looks shit up on the internet. I don't. He tries to do something new every time, and eventually it's like, oh, does, does hanging upside down do anything? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's always looking up new tricks. Jorno. <laughs> uh, Only if it kills someone. Yeah, this is violent. Somehow. Violent like, masturbation. The, the angle of the spurt will do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone outside the window will slip and fall and break their neck. Whoa, whoa hold on a second. He uses a snake. <laughs> <laughs> the snake trick. Classic snake. Uh, auto is snake asphyxiation. <laughs> um, Just get, get one of the ones that squeeze a lot. I don't know. <laughs> One of those cons- boa constrictors or something. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, this scene, this this is how we introduce our brand new JoJo. Is <laughs> like the the most like crude and the most like beset by by the world. I guess mm. you know the mafia wasn't after Giorno until he started it, right? Like yeah. the world is already out to get Jolene before we even meet her. Yeah. Uh, which is really underlined with like the the scene ends with her just proclaiming I'm innocent with a, a extreme close up onto her handcuffs and the bars she's behind like yep. this is not matching up, and so that is when the first title card comes up and it dissolves into the the sheen coming off a, a, a recently back waxed and buffed patrol car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now Jolene has been uh, transported to uh, the. City of East Beach Police Department. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is taking place in Florida, and she is meeting up with her elven lawyer. That's a fucking elf. That's a fucking elf. <laughs> this dude has extremely pronounced and kind of fat looking elf ears. Mm-hmm. The rest of the lawyer is pretty standard, except for his tie <laughs> covered in question marks, like he's the fucking Riddler. Yeah, yeah, he's Sylvester McCoy in in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Uh, so so they're chatting about the case, and and uh, Jolene asks about how her mom is doing, and Elf Lawyer responds, "She's bummed to be sure." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the 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 English voice acting for the lawyer because he is so bored sounding and detached from it. This all of this. Yeah, if if my kid was locked up in jail for grand theft auto and apparent homicide, I'd feel bummed. I'd be pretty bummed about that. That is exactly how I describe my state. <laughs> yeah, so he he's going over the the state of the case. Yeah, stealing a vehicle and running someone over are the charges. And he's saying her bail won't be approved because she's been charged with two thefts in the past. Mm-hmm. And this is where he calls her JoJo and she hates that. Only her mom gets to call her Jojo. Yeah. 
So he's also brought some like survival equipment for her, including the latest copy of Vogue. Gotta have my Vogue. <laughs> yeah. And this little metal bug. Yeah, a little pendant in the shape of a bug? Yeah, yeah, it's like a pendant charm locket thing uh, that looks very much like the bug from the special bug arrow of part five. Yeah, uh, and you know, she she doesn't recognize this thing, so she, she asks the lawyer what it is, and he's explaining that, uh, you know, hey, if you open it up, there's a, a small stone inside and a picture of your mother and father, and your dad said... If you're ever in trouble, that you need to have this. Uh, and then her finger explodes. Because <laughs> <laughs> the sharp little stone in there is actually part poking out of the, the, the gap a little bit somehow. So she gets uh, the bug to bite. And then there's blood. There's so much blood. It's going everywhere. Yeah. The, you get a close up of her finger bleeding and there's like multiple little holes that pop open on her index finger. Her fingers and exploded. It looks like it, it's as if there's a little man inside her finger who started firing a gun. That's what it looks like. <laughs> so, so she manages to open this thing and inside there is a little shard of a stand creating arrow. Hell yeah. Let's go. Mm hmm. And she, she moves the, the little shard of the arrow out of the way. And inside is a picture of her mom and dad with her dad being fucking Jotaro Kujo. If this lady is anything but a mermaid, I do not understand the relationship here. I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> I'm going to spend the whole rest of these three episodes wondering who the fuck mama is. I, mm -hmm. I must know all I can about her. If she wasn't a mermaid, she was someone Jotaro came across that was like shipwrecked on the ocean <laughs> or something. She was the only survivor. Like, there's no way he met her on land. He found the only human woman who pukes up her stomach in order to eat. And he's like, that's what I'm into. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> her hair does have a bit of a swoosh to it that's kind of like the shape of a dolphin jumping mm, or something. I don't know. I, I see. Yes. Yes, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. Jotaro in the, the picture here is still rocking his his uh part four slash part five outfit. You know, the the bright white one with the the, the J O written in a dolphin and a sun medallion. We talked about hat. the J O enough. We gotta move on. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on. And the lawyer says, uh, it's really fucking hard to track down your dad. <laughs> he's always on these boats and shit. Yeah, as a marine biologist, he's fucking hard to track down, apparently. Last we heard about him, he was conducting research somewhere in Africa. Which does not narrow it down. Large continent. Yeah. Many coastlines. Uh, and also from the, the dialogue here, it's implied that Jotaro and his, is divorced from his wife. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and Jolene says, what's the fucking point of even finding him? It's not like he would come. She, and she just tosses this medallion at the wall and it falls down through a little drain on the floor. Mm -hmm. Clearly fucking hates her dad. So there's about to be a lot more rat stands running around this place. Oh, God damn it. More rat stands. It's just what Florida needs. A bunch of people melting. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, yeah, after throwing that, uh, that meda the, the locket away, uh, the lawyer tells her, hey, you have to get ready for a trial in like two days. Yes. The, the trial is being held in Green Dolphin prisons, like, yeah. uh, uh, facilities. Yeah. It's, it's a full-service prison we got here. Yep. And so after she's informed that, we cut to Jolene being uh, transported in a, a truck 
Mm-hmm. And with, she's, with her next door neighbor, she's back. Yep. And her name is Hermes Costello. Yes. Uh, Hermes name for Hermes, the the luxury accessories brand. And of course, Elvis Costello. Finally, yay! Elvis Costello is finally here. <laughs> I've been waiting for six parts. <laughs> Every artist is lucky if they get, like, one perfect album. To have four in a row. Come on. Come on. <laughs> right? And uh, let's see. This was written in 2000, so the most recent uh, Elvis Costello project was his Burke Bacharach, like, collaboration. Mm. So, hey, God, give me strength. Hell of a song. <laughs> Uh, Ermus's English voice uh, was the cyborg kid very recently in in D- the Noah's Ark episode of David Productions Spriggan OVA. Okay. She uh, also played the ninth pilot to die in in '86. Uh, mm. Okay. While her Japanese voice uh, also dubbed Zoe Kravitz, but for a different movie in Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, okay. Last week, we, we mentioned Keep Your Hands Off Isaacin, and uh, this is the Japanese voice of uh, Kanamori, the, the tall girl who becomes the, the producer of oh, the studio. Yes. Yeah, the, the money girl. A lot of her career is playing uh, uh, like young men and boys, uh, mm. uh, including uh, Riddy from uh, Gundam Iron Brother. Iron Blooded Orphans, uh, Zerome in Darling in the Franks, and the the the, the beharumed lead of Cat Planet Cuties. Okay. So if you want to talk about old shit we <laughs> did in the past, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I could just talk about uh, Ermis's Japanese voice actor forever, because my God, uh, she, she's dubbed for both Kat Dennings and Florence Pugh's characters in the MCU. Oh, wow. If they ever meet, she will be talking to herself, I oh, guess. Oh, man. Yeah, speaking, speaking of Ermes and her, her voice acting... Compared to like the other ladies in this show, she's definitely the like the one that's like a little more uh, butch or masculine. She's got a bit of a rougher quality to her voice. Yeah, for I, sure, for sure. That I really like. Like Ermis, for me at least, like I immediately liked her just because she seems sassy is not the word that I'm looking for. I don't know what word I'm looking for here, uh, but I just thought she was really charming from the get go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she and Ermis are talking to each other. You know, just about being transferred to the prison, and then Ermis, or not Ermis, uh, Jolene hears the the guys in the front of the truck who are completely separated. You know, by like a wall and a shutter, they can open and close. They're talking to each other that they're about ten minutes away from the prison, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Jolene's just like, oh, I guess we're getting pretty close to the prison. And Ermis is just like, What are you, a fortune teller now, or something? And then <laughs> that little shutter gets open, and they inform the guard on the other side, holding a shotgun. Like, hey, we're about 10 minutes, 10 minutes uh, there. And both Jolene and Ermis are confused how Jolene could have known that. Does she hear the future? Huh? Ah? No, she does not hear the future. No. So so they're just chatting about their charges, you know, like, oh, yeah, second robbery offense. Uh, whoops. whoops they, they got me. Mm-hmm. This transfer is taking place on November 6th. So watch out. We're two weeks from the release of Minecraft. Oh, God. I am currently in a movie theater watching The Muppets and maybe crying a little. You you, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hermes, you know, introduces herself to Jolene. Yeah. Caught, caught robbing a convenience store and it's her second time. So they're throwing her in jail. And Hermes starts talking about, uh, hey, if you're going into prison, you got to be prepared. Do you have any cash on you? <laughs> 
Like you're not going to make it far in jail unless you you've got some cash to bribe guards and you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pull favors and and keep yourself safe. And this is when uh, we we get introduced to the prison properly by I believe the first time. Yes, the narrator, the narrator, chiming in. The narrator has returned. He has not abandoned us. Yay. And tells us that this prison is known as the Aquarium. So Jodro's probably already there waiting for her. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, the, this is a, the, the Aquarium. It's a big prison, 120 square kilometers. Men and women's prison, different wings. Its grounds occupy the entirety of this uh, island offshore. That's why they're driving over a great, great big bridge. Mm-hmm. 700-some men, 500-some women, 452 juvenile delinquents. And back up to the, the money conversation, uh, you know, Jolene is just saying, you know, I might have money hidden away somewhere. And Hermes is, gets serious and like, look, you have to have at least 100 or $200, though. And mm-hmm. obviously those guards are going to search you, so you got to be really crafty about hiding the money. Uh, and Jolene is... Just like laughing it up, going like, okay, so you just put the money up your butt. It's up your butt, right? It is not. It is not up her butt because they always look there. You got to think, Jolene. Yeah. And so Jolene thinks a little bit more and it's just like, wait a minute. Are they in your boobs? Because you got some big honkers. <laughs> you got implants and hid money in your boobs? And uh, Hermes is immediately like caught off guard like, okay, wow, you, you got me really quick. Yes, I have so- money in my titties. So she has these small incisions uh, uh, in her armpits that, like, hopefully fucking saran wrap disinfected rolls of cash have been (laughs) slid inside. And so the plan is once she's inside, she'll just, like, tear open her her sutures and get her emergency funds out of her chest. Yeah. She even talks about which denominations are on which side. Like, that is preparedness. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so they arrive at the prison, and the Tom Cruise guard steps in uh, and tells uh, prisoners 21 and 29 to get off, because there there is one other woman, like, all the way in the back of this truck who never said It's anything. not even Pierce Lady. It's just some It's just a lady. lady. Yeah. <laughs> she says nothing. She has no name. Yep. Uh, and so Ermis is being left behind. She is not, not getting sent to the prison yet. And as Jolene is being escorted into the prison... Uh, the, the gates are opening up and all that. Jolene takes a look around, sees guys with shotguns and guard towers and stuff. Uh, yeah, and we're, she... we're just getting quick flashes of all of these like structures of captivity and, and vision. And then all of a sudden, Jolene starts hearing the prison guards talking to Hermes in the truck, even though she's extremely far away from the truck at this point. Anyway, I mentioned the Muppets earlier, and it turns out this girl's made of strings. Yep. Whoa. Yeah, it's Jolene is just even as the truck drives away, she is hearing uh, these guards like badgering Hermes for for payoffs for money. Jolene starts freaking out that she can hear this and she can start hearing the guards like beating Hermes up. And yes, she has a light like a sky blue kind of brightly colored thread emerging from the little hole in her hand or in Mm -hmm. her finger where it had previously been, you know, poked by the, the pendant. The string, this thread, is uh, extending out of her finger all the way into the truck, even as it drives away. And like when she looks at her hand, a bunch of her, the skin on her hand is disappearing, and you can just see inside her hand is a ton of this string. Meanwhile, in the truck, 
This is Iraqi's second shot at uh, uh, depicting what America is. What what is yes. it like to be in the United States? And much like the first, it's it's savage beatings from from corrupt police officers. Oh yeah, you are never for. I haven't seen all of part six, but I've seen the majority of it as we're recording this episode. I have a couple more chapters left to read. Uh, there are no good cops in part six. They're all <laughs> bastards. They all suck. Somebody should shoot their fingers off with a Coke bottle, I tell I, you what. I agree. <laughs> uh, so, and the thing that's all the more cruel about it is they're, like, announcing their cover story as they beat her. Yeah, yeah. Hermes has, like, some backup money in a more obvious hiding spot so that she can hide, you know, the, the bigger sash. It's she, decoy money. Yeah. yeah, she's got decoy money underneath one of her hair clip thingies. You know, it's like 20 or 50 bucks or something like that. And she gives it to the, the, the handsome guard. And he says, man, this ain't enough. How can I split this with my partner over here? You clearly have some money somewhere else on you. And then this is when Tom Cruise guy says, oops, looks like the, the truck braked. And then he just does an elbow drop on her. And like, th- this is a step beyond what is... Uh, uh, depressingly common, actually uh, uh, breaking the car uh, in such a way to use the car to beat up the person in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, yeah, I, I saw a dog, you know, whatever. Yep. So then he says the immortal line, quote, those titties are suspicious. Yes. Which sounds like it's from a 70s funk song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as he is is rearing up his his nightstick his club to to come crashing down on Ermis's skull uh and try to unlock the secret of, of the suspicious titty which is mm-hmm. my, my favorite pulp novel <laughs> uh it it stops short and like he, he can't swing it any farther and and he's not sure what's going on and so this is this is exactly the tension building technique we talked about last week yes there's a taut string that he can't see, we can see, but it's a stand, so he can't see it. And then he notices blood dripping along the string. So I guess from his point of view, there is a, a line of blood suspended in midair. Yeah, yeah. And then we see the cause. His ear has been sliced off yep. and is uh, stuck like like uh, uh, cooked spaghetti to the wall of this transit van. Yeah, like the ear is slowly sliding down the wall, leaving a blood trail. Jo- Jolene String stopped his uh, uh, clubbing, but uh, the force of it pulled the string down in order to, to just like a monofilament wire cut his own ear off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we, we cut back to Jolene, who doesn't know what the fuck is happening. And the, the string, like, dissolved or snapped, and so she turns her hand around to look at the, you know, the top of her hand, and there's still thread there, but it has grabbed the money the guard was holding, and it has tied it to the top of her hand. You pickpocketed your only friend in here, Jolene. Damn! <laughs> That's cold! Uh, and so we, we fade to black and come up on November 8th, 11 a.m., Today's the day Mac Miller's debut album drops. Oh, man. And Jolene is back talking with her lawyer. uh, And she's asking the elven lawyer here, like, hey, do you know what happened to that pendant I threw away? Because now she's very confused about, you know, Mm -hmm, the magic mm -hmm. string coming out of her hand. Lawyer don't give a fuck. (laughs) 
So instead, we get a flashback to uh, you know the week before, to to just before the the cold open view of the the bloody body. So yeah, it's it's roughly a week. Although Jolene looks four years younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a face she puts on because she's with her boyfriend and she wants to be extra cute. Being cute for people is is going to come up in the next episode for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is West so, Palm Beach. They're driving. Well, he's driving. His name is actually Romeo. It took me a while to figure out that that's his name and not a nickname. <laughs> yes, this man is literally named Romeo. And he 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 wants some of Jolene's drink, and he's like, and she's like, no, you cannot drink and drive. This is ten ABV. Like, yeah. I don't know if she has a line at six or something, but <laughs> th- this is definitely a no. Uh, Romeo is wearing kind of like a pink turtleneck sweater sort of but like the turtleneck collar doesn't completely wrap around it's got an opening right in the front of the neck and he has what would be a pretty normal haircut if it wasn't for the fact that every couple inches it's there's just a line shaved all the way through <laughs> like his haircut is terraced like the yeah the growing fields of the inca like <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but he is blonde and impossibly handsome. He's oh oh my goodness. What mm-hmm. what what young girl wouldn't swoon at the sight of Romeo as he drives? I swear his car is an Alfa Romeo. Romeo <laughs> is driving an Alfa Romeo. Yeah. It's like the car in the movie Gremlins is a gremlin. Why are we doing this? Don't do this. <laughs> or maybe do this every time. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Jolene is being all like lovey-dovey and saying like, "Hey Romeo, I want to I want to come up with like a cute pet nickname that I can call you. Uh, her idea is Rochu, which I don't know. sounds a bit too much like Roach to me to be a cute name. Uh, and <laughs> well, Roach is also impossibly handsome and blonde. So mm, Yeah. Romeo says like, sure, you can use that name if you never use it in front of me. And the whole time, Romeo just seems kind of annoyed that mm-hmm, he's mm. got this girl like loving all over him. And then we get the clearest sign that this is an Italian car. There is a major impact and the airbags don't deploy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a man collides with the front of this car. He, the, the glasses this man was wearing are lodged in the, the windshield. Uh, and there is blood all over the place. And the instant Romeo started like getting freaked out and, and shouting, I immediately recognized his voice actor. This is Yuri yeah. Lowenthal. <laughs> I know it is. Big time voice actor for a long time. Voices tons of fucking dudes. He's fucking Peter Parker in the Insomniac developed uh Spider Man games. He does a great job there. Uh he he's in like everything. But anyways, uh Jolene immediately gets out of the car and says, We gotta contact the cops or call, you know, an ambulance or something. Mm-hmm, and Romeo mm-hmm. leaps out and says, No, <laughs> I'll get in trouble. So everything that happens from here on out is to protect Romeo. And he does not care about uh, uh, what fall does or does not get taken by whom. As long as it's not him. He's a massive asshole the whole time. Uh, jo- yep. Jolene is trying to like do good. Trying to, to call the authorities. Call for an ambulance. Call for the cops. Just like do the right thing, whatever that is. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, we're going to stuff this dude's body in a trunk before any traffic comes down the road to spot us. And at the very last moment, she, she gives in to her boyfriend's will and does just that. And, uh, well, now that we're here a week or so later, we know it didn't fucking work. Yep. 
And the guy who got hit got he got majorly fucked. He got hit by this card so hard he was thrown up into a tree and was like <laughs> draped over the branches. But yeah, now we skip back to to present time again, and the lawyer is telling Jolene that uh, the prosecutors believe that Jolene stole a car and crashed it while under the influence. And she's just like, well, what did Romeo say? And she's informed that Romeo's the one who reported the theft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, she has the opportunity to tell the whole story, to, to come forward, to say everything, uh, to, to try to exonerate herself, but she won't do it. Mm-hmm. She won't get Romeo in trouble. She just, like, clams up, won't say nothing to nobody, and is just like, hey, lawyer, it's your job to, to uh, get me off on this. Do what you gotta do. Yep. And so he brings up, like, hey, y'all heard of plea bargains before? Uh-oh. So he's been in contact with the prosecutor, like, in uh, exchange for, for pleading guilty uh, uh, to other charges. They'll drop the DUI charge and pursue a two-year suspended sentence, which is like, if you get in trouble again, you go to prison for two years. If you play nice on your, your probation and whatever, you may not have to go to prison at all. Yeah. That sounds great. Wait, what the fuck? There was a dead person in your trunk. Why is the DUI the big charge here? Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> what is happening? And, and he's like, you know, hey, if you don't take the plea bargain and you're found guilty, you'll be you'll be in jail for at least five years. And he's like pressuring Jolene, like, you got to make this decision soon. Yeah, apparently their court date is in like 15 minutes because it's the yeah. next scene. <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking ace attorney rules in here. But yeah, now we, we jump over to, yeah, she's in, in court. So, so yeah, the, the judge is like, I've been informed that there's been a plea deal. I'm like, you sure? Like, you you super sure? Mm-hmm. And she says, yeah. And he's like, okay, uh, 15 years for murder. Like, okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> At least there's no points on your license. You sure got one over on us, man. Yay. <laughs> And so, yeah, Jolene is really caught off guard by this and sweating and freaking the fuck out. And it's just like, yeah, the the judge says we cannot forgive this deliberate killing. And Jolene's looking at her lawyer going, what the fuck is this? Never trust an elf. Never trust an elf. Never trust an elf. And (laughs) we get this close up shot of her elven lawyer's eyes, which are kind of like sagging and look and he's making a weird almost like like face that a villain from Stardust Crusaders would make. Uh, <laughs> and he just goes like, <laughs> that's his response. So yeah, apparently this hitchhiker that, that got hit was not dead when they put him in a trunk and instead died in the swamp that they dumped the body in afterwards. Yeah. So that's where the active act of murder comes from for this 15 year sentence. So- <laughs> So as uh, uh, the lawyer walks out, there is another bit of string-based uh, uh, eavesdropping mm-hmm. to follow. Yeah, like the the lawyer just like collects all of his stuff and just leaves, and she is royally pissed at him, and he does not give a shit. He's just like, "Oh, I did my best. Stay healthy. Bye." <laughs> And he meets up with, wouldn't you know it, Romeo. Apparently, Romeo's dad did some favors and paid a whole lot of money to Jolene's lawyer to protect him instead of her. Who the fuck is this dad? Who pays better than the Speedwagon Foundation? Right? Right? God damn. 
So now we're 20 minutes into the episode and the eye catch comes. Yes. Uh, yeah, right before the, the eye catch. Yeah, J- Jolene was listening in and that whole thing between the lawyer and Romeo. Uh, and this is when she's like screaming uh, Romeo over and over and like shedding tears and basically vowing revenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the, the, her string snaps and then she's <laughs> her hand starts bleeding from that. And we come back to her entering green, uh, a green dolphin prison proper. Her, her intake is being handled by uh, a, a prison guard, a large woman with, shall we say, unfortunate hair. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the ratty ass doll that Angelica has in Rugrats? <laughs> it's that. Yeah. It's th- what if that was like a six foot, very like thick, muscular woman? Yeah. <laughs> No neck, just like a, a a worm tube from from crown to shoulder. God, it really is just that doll Angelica has. Goddamn. <laughs> and uh, from now on, Jolene, Jolene Cujo will be known as Prisoner Fe four o five three six. Yeah, the the other woman here, the other prison guard, less unfortunate hair, still not great. Is kind of like Meryl's hair, sort of. If it were a bit more of a mullet. And so she is instructed to strip and they're all like, ha ha, you have to dehumanize the prisoners, really get them under your thumb. And she's like putting on a floor show when they look up already. <laughs> yeah. This is our first nude Jojo. Yes, it is. Like, what did it take? Like five episodes for, for uh, uh, to, to even see uh, Joseph K's birthmark when he changed his shirt that one time? Yeah, yeah. Her ass is out, and she is spreading with no shame. Yep. And then we meet another prison guard, uh, more more of like a head guard, some sort of official of the prison, who will be named shortly. His name is Loco Barocco. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with your skull? What is happening? Oh, my God. Yeah, Jolene spots all this happening because she's looking through like a barred window and sees the elven lawyer meeting up with Loco Barocco, who... So, okay, he is a very small man, the, yes. the the new JoJo character archetype since, like, part four of A Little Guy. He's really little. <laughs> He's really little. He's portly, too. His head <laughs> feels, okay, so his skull shape feels like it's modeled after, uh, like, a chameleon or something. Yes, yes. The top of his head comes up to a little, like, a point that's very disturbing and bad to look at. He's completely bald, so you can see the full curvature of his entire head. The way his eyes, like, the the orbit, the, the orbital bone yeah. is so huge and pronounced. It's like he, he took, like, huge, thick Coke bottle glasses lenses and he's using them as contacts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it oh, just huge bulbous protrusions with tiny little slit eyes in on top of them. He is disgusting. I hate him. And one tuft of brown hair coming from the center of his head, or yep. where the center of a normal person's head was. If he didn't have a skull tail, what yeah. is this nubbin? Also, what is your nubbin? I f- it feels even worse that his voice is very deep. There's something upsetting about that, pairing that with his little frame and his weird fucked up head. I'm going to give you a little piece of information that I think you need to know. Mm-hmm. Loco Baroco's Japanese voice is the official dub actor for Patrick Starr. 
Oh shit. <laughs> oh man, he English voice should have been Patrick Starr too. <laughs> Fuck, that would have been good. Oh my god. Loco Baroco. So yeah, he is meeting with Elf Lawyer. Uh uh just like dot and I's crossing T's. And uh it turns out that uh uh Loco Baroco has a note for the lawyer from Jolene. Isn't that nice? You know, let bygones be bygones, water under the bridge. So Elf Lawyer is driving home, and if Jolene or her stand are anywhere near a car, someone fucking dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the lawyer gets in his car, opens up that note, and it says, Pass this on to him, too. Feeling comfy, but you will keep sweating now and forever. Jolene Cujo. And as he tries to figure out, like, what's this about? But what? No, she couldn't possibly know. Whatever. He gets strangled the fuck to death by bright blue strings. Yep. Earlier, like when he was still in the prison, he was talking about like, man, it's kind of hot in here. And so he's in the car driving over the bridge. He's undoing his ties and like, man, I it's getting hot in here. Save me, AC. And and just talk about like how he hates dealing with the, the sc- all the scum in the prison. But it's, it's it's the job. Yeah, that's when he starts getting strangled and he can't see the string, but he can feel it. And so his desperate last like act to save himself is trying to turn the ac off because he thinks it's drying his throat out and that's why he can't breathe and yeah that's when he crashes and he's super bloody full of glass Mm -hmm. all over his body barely twitching and that is the end of episode one now on to episode two stone free also known as prisoner fe 40536 Mm mm-hmm and it kicks right off with our first look at the new OP, which uh, is a return to the the 3D model CG OPs yeah. of the past. Like part one through three. It's great. It looks great. It's so brightly colorful. Uh, the, the first image is of the stand string acting like a guitar string yeah. running along the highway to the prison, which is like reminiscent of a guitar neck. Mm-hmm. I love it. And the string pulls us through the entire OP, basically. We're, we're just running through it into the transit van from the last episode into the prison. There's a Roy Lichtenstein portion for some reason. (laughs) Yes. Uh, This OP actually also has tons of references to all the previous parts as well. Yeah, there's like hundreds of tiny things flying by. Uh, uh, I think this was something made for screen capping, basically. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, what what do we got here? We got uh, old Joseph's uh, Walkman. Yep. We got the street sign that was supposed to cut Jotaro's head off in the Dio fight. Mm-hmm. Arena's childhood doll. I think that's her doll. Yes. All all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. There, there's some later parts where like uh, Kakyoin's cherries are like graffiti on a wall. I believe Polnareff's earrings are somewhere in here painted on a wall. Yeah. A lot, of course, a lot of imagery that we don't know about yet. Showing off a lot of characters we haven't met yet. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But man, it looks great. One thing that this uh, OP does that I appreciate is relations of space. We we don't cut from thing to thing so much as move from them. Yeah. And I'm assuming a lot of these are going to be sets where action takes place and we're seeing how uh, like these locations really intersect in, in one unbroken motion. Yeah. And close to the end of this OP, like the string we've been following starts drawing a star, the Joe star birthmark. And as mm-hmm. it's drawing that, we're getting flashing images flashing by behind it of important things from all the previous parts. We see the stone mask, the red stone of Asia, 
uh, Dio's body being burned up by the sun in the end, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff, the arrow from part five. And it ends with that just being the birthmark on her shoulder and she sees uh, her father Jotaro, but she walks away to to Mm -hmm. be in captivity on her own and and ends just like up against prison bars. Yeah. Ah, There's ah. also a couple really good uh, recurring visuals from the Stardust Crusaders OP because there's some parts where Jolene is just in like kind of like a void full of stars which is an image borrowed from the start the the part three openings as well as there's a part like midway through as the song's about to kick into high gear where Jolene uh destroys the handcuffs she is in and she strikes a pose and her stand appears behind her and it is like the exact same framing and style as the first uh, Star Crusaders OP where Jotaro poses and Star Platinum pops out behind beside him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's great. really good. It's really it's good. Really cool. Uh, so, so the action of this episode begins with Loco Baroco introducing himself and the rules with his fun hand puppet of a crocodile, <laughs> <laughs> a little pink crocodile. Yeah, uh, he is named for designer Rocco Baroco. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know much about Rocco Barocco. Yes, the puppet, the little pink crocodile is named Charlotte, and he puts on a, a falsetto voice while speaking through the puppet, going through all the rules, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. all the prisoners just have to sit there and th- act like this is a normal thing to do. His brain is as fucked up as his skull, I yeah. swear. Oh, yeah. Just And yeah, going through the rules of, hey, you can walk around the prison at most times, you know, there's libraries you can use the phone and and all this there's there's activities to do if you behave really well you can get a tv in your cell and you know you can study for a college degree wow charlotte prison sounds awesome i love it (laughs) yeah uh and the whole time jolene is holding her hand up like she's got a question and she is never acknowledged Mm -hmm. you cannot take off the wristband with your prisoner id on it you cannot borrow or share things with other inmates yeah, Jolene just gets fed up, says, like, hey, are earrings ar- uh, allowed? And then the Charlotte, the little puppet, goes into a very deep, angry voice and says, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, being condescended to by a grown man with a hand puppet, well, a mostly grown man? I, <laughs> I, I don't want to assume what the fuck that creature is. <laughs> this is more humiliating than the strip search, is what I meant to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, every, all these new prisoners are getting shown to their cells. Jolene, the, the cell that she is getting put in, she's already got a cellmate. She's escorted to it by a guard that has the narrator's voice. I want him to play every unnamed character. I love yep. it. Anytime he's just a guy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Jolene is, uh, you know, entering the cell and about to get situated when uh, she meets Gwess, who has Gwess. snacks and an attitude. Oh, big attitude. Because, uh, you know, the first thing Gwess says is just like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Gwess. You want some of these cookies? And Jolene's just like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. It's Today has just been so fucking crazy. I have no appetite. And mm-hmm. Jolene just barely leans over just to place her stuff on the bottom bunk and this is when Gwes grabs a big-ass barbell and swings it at Jolene. <laughs> because that's her bunk. Get your hands off. So yeah. uh, Gwes is named for Guess, the fashion brand, of course. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, she wears a black and, and deep blue or black and purple striped tube top and matching pants, at least yep. until the lower part of her pants that are like armored. Yes. <laughs> she, she's got sticky fingers legs, actually. Yeah, she does. They're almost the same. And uh, all of that is covered up by the like uh, prison mandated uh, jacket that she wears wide open and uh, a headband of a lighter color blue with like arrow symbols around the, the edge. Kind of like pitchfork. Kind of pitchforky. So, yeah. Sort of, yeah. By the way, her tube top distracts me because like it's not just a tube top. It looks like she pulled out like the cups out of a bra and then put them on top of her tube top over her boobs. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She, she's also pretty recognizable from the two-tone, uh, like, racing stripe lipstick uh, situation yeah. she's got going on. Yep. And the, the three dots uh, uh, drawn underneath each eye, like, mm -hmm. horizontally. Like, like, she's scaring predators or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Jolene has fallen to the floor and Gwess is right on top of her, like, grabbing her by the collar, like, face an inch away from hers, just saying, hey, that's my fucking bunk. Do you got any problem with me? And then they are interrupted by a little bird that is in Gwess's pocket, who like chest pocket, who pokes his head out and with the voice of a man goes like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> and Gwess just puts her hand over and pushes him back into her pocket. So uh, Gwess's English voice you, you might hear recently as uh, the lead roles in both Comey Can't Communicate and oh. Keijo. You know, the butt-fighting anime. Yeah, the butt-fighting anime. <laughs> Keijo with like 18 exclamation points out at the end of it, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Jolene is pretty much on the back foot. She's met one person who has three moods already, and what's the fuck is up with this little bird? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially because at some point, the bird's head pops off, and there are two <laughs> tiny arms... Yeah. That reach out of the bird neck and grab a snack to pull inside. Lady, your bird's fucked up. You got a <laughs> fucked up bird. Yeah. Uh, right before that happens, like, Jolene notices, like, on Gwess's bunk is that golden pendant that she threw mm -hmm, away earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then her bird does that fucked up little thing where the head pops off and little man arms come out to grab a snack. <laughs> the first time I saw that happen, I laughed the out loud so hard because it was just like... <laughs> The first episode is, like, definitely still JoJo, but it's just, like, you know, with all the setup and stuff, nothing too crazy is happening. And I was just yeah, like, okay, yeah. what's the first absurd thing to happen? And it's a little bird popping its head off and little man arms coming out to grab a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Jolene's first day, basically, in Green Dolphin Prison. And we get uh, a scene that I really appreciate with her uh, in the dark trying to sleep and thinking about all the fucked up shit that has happened to her. Mm -hmm. She's got feelings. She's got feelings and she needs to think about them when she can't sleep. Rolls around a bit. She closes her eyes and tries to go to sleep. And this is when uh, Gwess very slowly peeks her head over the side of the top bunk mm -hmm. and scares the shit out of Jolene. To give an apology. Ah. Sorry. About last night, I'm really sorry. Also, it's morning already. Gwess runs out to get breakfast. Jolene uh, uh, takes the opportunity to uh, uh, check on the contents of the bug charm, and it's empty. There's no stone in there. She's also not wearing any pants. Yep. 
like Gwes is the one that hands Jolene the the pendant and is like apologizing, like, "Hey, sorry, I don't think this is your pendant though. Like, there's nothing in it, no picture or anything." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and like, yeah, they they make up. Jolene is like, "Hey, sorry for assuming all this stuff. You know, here you can have the pendant back if you want." And and Gwes is just like, "Wow, you're so nice. I hope we can be really good friends." Gwes leaves. And when Jolene gets off the top bunk to get dressed and stuff, the floor is covered with water. She got wet pants. Wet pants. She uh, uh, goes back out to the commissary to try to get breakfast. And there's no food. There's no food at breakfast. And the inmate who's working the food line answers the question of, how is there not enough food for everybody? Is Shouldn't that be required with, hey, that's just one of the seven wonders of prison. And Jolene asks, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, the the seven wonders of prison will be coming up several times throughout part six. But as Jolene's just like, hey, what the fuck? Gwes comes by just and very loudly proclaiming like, oh, man, I'm so full. I couldn't eat another bite and tips her tray and throws everything in the trash. And it's like two cartons of milk that are half full and two bananas only partially eaten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just dumping all of that in the trash. This is Mean Girls. This is Mean Girls Behind Bars. This, this is Mean Girls, yep. Mean Girls Prison Edition. And Jolene goes and takes a closer look at the trash and sees that the actual picture of her mom and dad was just thrown in the trash out of that pendant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so meanwhile, around the corner, it is time to train this little bird to do tricks. Yep. She, she is talking to her little like parakeet or whatever in her pocket, just like, okay... Come out of my pocket and and get out of my get out of my shoulder and and so he does. She she praises the the little bird who is still very clearly voiced by a real man and not making actual bird noises. <laughs> she, her she has named this little bird Copy Chan, and as she you know after praising the, the this bird, she pulls out like a noodle or something like a bit of spaghetti or something, and is like about to feed the bird and she's like oh oh first you gotta say I love you. And the mm-hmm. bird goes like, I love you. <laughs> and another thing that made me laugh out loud the first time I saw this was like, you know, praising the bird more. And it's just like, okay, do the next trick. Fly over to my other hand. And the bird goes, ah. <laughs> um. <laughs> but Quest doesn't like a quitter. Quest no. wants the most adorable, well-trained bird friend and will choke her bird the fuck out until it does as it's told mm-hmm. and acts super cute and loving while doing it. Yeah. And like as this bird is being strangled, he just the bird just keeps going like, I love you. Uh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> until it is rescued, I suppose. Mm-hmm. By Jolene doing her Spider-Man thing. <laughs> yeah, the the some thread whips by really quick and swaps the the bird in Gwes's hand with a uh, half of a banana pulled out of the trash. Jolene, who is a floor above with the bird, goes, "What the fuck is up with this bird? I saw its head pop off." And so she lightly grabs the head. It pops off. And then a whole bunch of tiny human limbs pour out of the bird's body <laughs> along with a lot of blood. And she immediately gets it like, oh, people who've come in contact with that stone develop uh, uh, unique abilities that are uh, uh, specific to them. She's piecing this together a lot faster than Giorno did. And yes. he was born with a stand. It was just <laughs> kind of embryonic for a while. Yeah. 
and like Gwest starts marching up the stairs. And so Jolene tries to hide the evidence of uh, the bird corpse by pulling it uh, you know, over the corner, around the corner with some string, but it just leaves a big blood trail. And as she's trying to figure out like what she can do from here, how she can hide, she notices the uh, uh, electrical outlet towering above her. Oh no, it is tiny time. Oh no. Tiny time. The second stand that makes people tiny, actually. And we see this stand not in action initially, but in this episode's title card. Yeah. <laughs> While part five added animation to the meta episode title cards, uh, part six is changes it to be string based, of course. Mm -hmm. There's a string wipe, basically, of, of coiling strings that reveal GG dolls, uh, uh, the localized name of Goo Goo dolls. Yeah. And it's also been localized. Another way, other than GD Dolls, which was the worst name, Cry Cry Dolls. <laughs> if you look at the Netflix subtitles, it still says Cry Cry Dolls. When I first watched this episode, when it came out a year ago, it was in English dub voiced as Cry Cry Dolls. And they have updated the voice acting sense to say GG Dolls. So this is uh, just a nasty little gremlin. Imagine Bart Simpson with spikes. His head is Bart Simpson shaped. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like a, a Bart Simpson marionette with like yeah. all sorts of like little needly pokey spikes coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly from the, the back and the head. I do like the, the design of its head because it's a lot different from any other stand we've seen so far. Especially like the mouth shape. I like it. Let's see. This was uh, written in 2000 still. Goo Goo, Goo Goo Dolls were still kind of at the height of their power. Mm -hmm. uh, this is also the year I first saw them in concert at a uh, Al Gore campaign rally in oh, downtown wow. Flint. <laughs> oh, my God. I got extra credit for doing a democracy. Now, see, at the same time, I think my parents took me to a campaign event George Bush. Did you get extra credit for doing a democracy? No, my parents oh, just wanted sucks. to go there. And so I was there and I was slightly excited to be there because it was promised that Arnold Schwarzenegger would be there. But in the end, he couldn't make it. And so instead, <laughs> who was there? It was some other celebrity. Well, it wasn't Johnny Resnick. I can tell you that. He was with me. <laughs> I think it was Bo Derek who was there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Bo Derek. So Gwess has snatched up little palm-sized Jolene and is uh, uh, sing-chanting her name, crowing about, like, her power over Jolene. And on the fourth repetition, where she gets really sing-songy with it, Baseball throws her into their shared cell, yeah. uh, uh, knocking away toilet paper rolls like like uh, bowling pins, <laughs> yeah. which I guess saves her life. God, yeah. <laughs> All in an extended reference to, again, the song, Jolene. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's really good in both languages. I listened to this episode with both language tracks just for that moment. And yeah. Quest's, like, seriously split personality. There's two girls in this girl thing. I wanted to hear how both handled it. It's really mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Uh, and Jolene is just, you know, her reaction just, what the fuck is happening? And Quest says, shut up. Put this rat on. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. The The last one was turned into sort of a beak man. Mm -hmm. So now you get the rat suit. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, so she's finding little animals and killing them and hollowing them out so they can be tiny little fursuits for people she makes tiny 
And so she flushes the the bird corpse away, mm-hmm. and she tells Jolene, "Hey, no talking unless you do it real cute. Then you can <laughs> then you can speak in full sentences. That's fine." Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So now it's time for Jolene's training. She has made a tiny little like hamster wheel out of like matchsticks, and and yeah, just makes Jolene the rat run until she's blue in the face, mm-hmm. and and then Jolene gets another little lesson in how stands work. Stands, of course, must have names. Mm-hmm. This is communicated by a uh, uh, Gwes reciting the King James version of John one <laughs> one. I love it. I, I mean, whenever I name things, I always think of the Gospel of John. That's why I name a lot of things John, actually. Uh, <laughs> so th- this is happening during strength training, where Gwes is piling two books and is about to lay a third onto uh, uh, Jolene. And she's really, really upset when she sees that Jolene has uh, uh, somehow brought in an eraser and a bottle of whiteout to like shield herself from the Giles Corey treatment. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, you devious. Wonderful idea. Oh, I'm so proud of my little baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, the, when I saw this scene the first time, like she was, you know, reciting fucking 1 1 and all that, and also piling all these books on top of Jolene, I was like, is there supposed to be a connection here? The, the whole piling the stones on people thing? I don't know. Uh, th- there is a significant change from the manga in this scene. Mm hmm. In that the the third book that she was about to pile on had a title. Mm-hmm. It was it was a book of Florida law. Can you see ah. the subtext? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> all right, Gwes is you know being a freak as always, and and you know praising Jolene for being so smart to prop up the books with those those little objects. Um, she is named Jolene Charokichi. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. her name now. As you do, yeah. And she's got a plan for, for Jolene. There is, uh, on the floor where their cell is, there is a small hallway gated off at both ends that leads to like where Guest believes they can make an escape. Uh, this hallway, though, is also the gunpoint. And it says, <laughs> gunpoint! And if you are found in that hallway, <laughs> they will shoot you dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Guest really wants to know what's on the other side of this little gunpoint hallway. And, and so she, she can't use Goo Goo Dolls to shrink herself, so she has yeah. to have Jolene do it. Imagine walking up to anyone but a JoJo's fan. Imagine talking to a music <laughs> journalist and saying with a straight face that, I don't know, I always thought that Goo Goo Dolls is just a lesser retread of Little Feet, and they would think you're <laughs> insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's part of the magic of watching JoJo. <laughs> So yeah, Jolene has to pretend to be a little rat and run along the right side of the wall underneath this little railing that will hide her from the the security camera in that hallway. This is the scene where she talks where she gives in and talks cutesy, right? Yes, it is. This is another fun difference between the two voices because in the like Japanese voice, to my ear at least, it didn't sound like she was doing a cute voice. It was all just like it was in word choice and, and like, yeah. childish, cutesy grammar. But in English, it's, like, full-on small bean oo-woo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Kira Buckland has a really good, like, small bean oo-woo voice. And it's I'm really a widow funny. baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really funny. So, yeah, Jolene runs along this hallway and gets to the other side. 
and she gets spooked because a guard almost steps on her as the guard notices that Gwes is like looking down this hallway and going like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of here. Uh, and so Gwes has to, she has to leave. She has to, you know, not attract attention. And so as Jolene tries to like run underneath a door and hide in a room on the other on the other end of this hallway, which happens to be a, a like a break room where all the guards are drinking coffee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gwes has moved far enough away that she's out of her stand range, and so Jolene is slowly getting bigger. Yes, and yes. The guards, and bit by bit, the the like rat costume, the rat skin she's wearing is bursting from her, like increasing within it. Yeah, and like all the guards are going like, "What the fuck was that sound?" <laughs> it kind of sounds like I don't know a thin part of a rat corpse popping open. I don't know <laughs> yeah. why I recognize that sound. I had a I had a weird childhood. And so all the guards are starting to look around, and Jolene doesn't want to get caught, so she. Uh, fires off some thread from her hand to grab one of the coffee cups and spill hot boiling coffee on one of the guards to distract them all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, she is slowly increasing back to her normal size. And so she's trying to escape and get back to the correct side of this hallway before she is caught. Uh, and as she's running away, Goo Goo Dolls appears. Uh, it was chilling in the rat suit with her the whole time. Yeah, yeah. The the way Goo Goo Dolls seems to work is it will shrink you, for sure. No trouble there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you're close enough to Gwes, you will stay shrunk. But if you try to escape the costume made for you by Gwes, it will cut all of your limbs off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, Goo Goo Dolls is very tiny. It's like the size of, of the shrunken down Jolene. It is, quote, a murderous munchkin. Yeah. And so Jolene still pretty tiny is trying to climb like the keypad and like other things on the wall like she's getting her legs slashed at by by goo goo dolls and so she makes a big leap onto like one of these little wow i cannot think of the word it's just like some metal outcropping that's holding up something above on the ceiling a a support truss yeah like a support truss yeah but she's still growing She's still growing, and at a rate such that uh, by the time she she hoists her, herself over it, she's grown up enough to be wedged inside it and, and trapped yeah. there. Yeah, and so now she's just kind of stuck here as Goo Goo Dolls climbs the wall and leaps at her to slash at her again. And just as she's about to get cut, something smashes Goo Goo Dolls into the wall. And after a quick beat of Jolene just being confused, like, what just hit it? It leaps out of the wall again and is then summarily punched into the wall hard again uh, as she notices that there are like bright neon blue arms forming near her. Yes, yes. This is a cool reveal. The thread from Jolene is now spooling out of her enough and isn't just like wrapping itself around things or anything. Rather, the thread is coiling up tightly to form a humanoid stand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Her her stand power essentially has two modes, which is either like long distance thread or packed thread that turns into a like more humanoid stand with punching capabilities. The the second 
iteration of her stand, the the short-range humanoid version of this stand, is just wrecking the tiny little guy mm-hmm. that is Goo Goo Dolls, uh, completely destroying it. And so Gwess runs up and is like, why am I bloody and in pain? What is happening? <laughs> Please what stop. Is this? And so Jolene, still not quite full size, maybe like a foot or two, she grabs Goo Goo Dolls in her hand and says like, hey, fucking do what I say right now or I'm squishing this little shit until you blow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gwess goes along with it, shrinks Jolene uh, down enough for her to like get free of her trap and, and be standing free and clear. And that is when Gwess plays the simplest trick of all. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like going to give Jolene the pendant, the, the pendant back uh, along with like the actual shard or whatever, the stone in it. And also divulges the information to Jolene that she bought the medal- the little locket off of a lady named Hermes. Ah. And then, yeah, Guest does the uh, really simple trick, which is just, oops, I dropped the thing I was going to give you. You better go pick it up. Like, Jolene turns around and she gets punched again to become very tiny and thrown mm-hmm. into the gunpoint hallway and then made full size so that the guards can notice, hey, there's a lady in there. Better shoot her with our shotguns. Gwess may not be powerful. She's played all of her tricks, but the greatest trick of all is using the prison itself as a weapon. Yeah. And, like, the alarm is going off and, like, extra, like, extra, like, fencing or another door, like, a shutter falls over the iron bars Jolene tries to punch her way out through the shutter, but her stand is not strong enough to actually break through iron bars. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so... It'd be a pretty short prison story if it, if it could. Yeah. Uh, Gwes is just standing there on the other side, taunting Jolene as she's about to be shot to death by, by prison guards. Uh, and there's a lot of like different little effects they're doing to make Gwes come off extra unhinged here. Like, distorted mm-hmm. off-model drawings of her faces, lots of fisheye lens shots of her face, <laughs> just as, like, Gwess is, like, you know, like, at the, the height of her, her la- evil laughter and, and taunting her. Jolene realizes, wait a minute, these stands are ghosts and can punch, like, through things. And so her stand just punches Gwess, like, square in the jaw. And then we get introduced, because, like... You got to have names? Okay, I got a name. This stand is called Stone Free. She doesn't know the word stand yet. Never mind. (laughs) This ability of mine is called Stone Free, uh, localized to Stone Ocean, because I'm going to be free of this Stone Ocean. It it works. It it works for all all the words are in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, named, of course, for the uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix song, one of the first recordings he made as part of the Jimi Hendrix experience. Yep. Uh, you you probably know it. Like, go listen to it. You'll be like, oh, yeah, this is mm. what the 70s sound like. Yep, that's the one. Yep. And now, I guess, is a good time to actually describe what Stone Free looks like. Yes, this is the first JoJo stand who is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I really don't like <laughs> uh, Shining Diamond. I think... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I think Star Platinum looks kind of dumb. I think uh, Golden Wind looks kind of... I, I, I think Gold Experience looks kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. But I love the look of Stone Free. This is cool as shit. Stone Free looks like a woman that could become a motorcycle if she wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this is a stand that is, uh, you know... It's got th- shades! <laughs> yeah, it's not even like cyber shades. She this stand is straight up wearing normal green, like emerald green shades. 
<laughs> it's fucking cool. So yeah, that that uh, same like soft blue color as the strings of which it is comprised, obviously. Mm-hmm. High waisted leather pants, uh, yep. like <laughs> big old uh, uh, pauldrons. Mm-hmm. Just the face. The face is so cool. The face is really cool. It's hard to describe, but it's cool. The the stand doesn't have ears. It kind of has like the ears of Mega Man's helmet, sort of. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's got like on each. The left and right side of its face has got like these two like thin metal strips that go up like the cheeks and then like up to the top of the head and extend a little bit beyond the head. She's got like these little metal studs along her forehead and like and and the rest of her head. And one of the details I really like about Stone Free, but it's it's basically blue and silver. Um, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. got like a di- knee pads in the shape of diamonds, which look pretty dope. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, it's mostly blue, but it's clearly wearing, like, it's not just its skin. It's It looks like it's actually wearing, like, some type of leather because there's wrinkles in the material. But there's small cutouts on, like, the biceps and the forearms and, like, the calves and its fingers that reveal kind of, like, a, a thread-like coily material to, re- to kind of reveal that, like, hey, this is a suit being filled up by coiled-up thread. And that's really neat-looking. It's oh, it, so it's so good. It's, it's just also, like it's also got like smaller golden studs on its knuckles, kind of like Star Platinum. It's just confidence in a body is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so good. I don't know. The, it it is a stand design that I would say looks sleek, like compared mm-hmm, to a mm-hmm. lot of other stands that have can have a lot going on. This one is like very sleek. Basically, only yeah. like two colors and an accent color. It does have a lot going on, but in a way that isn't busy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, sto- Stone Free, one of my favorite stand designs. I love the look of Stone Free. And uh, it's time for a great big punch rush, and we <laughs> learn like the, the battle cry of Stone Free. It's the same as Dad's. Yep. It's <laughs> the, the, aura, the auras aura. are back, baby. Yep. And so, yeah, when Jolene is like explaining the name of her ability and finally goes into the auras and does a big old punch rush, something I really like that Part 6 does sometimes when people like Jolene use stand abilities, there are times where they like really emphasize that it's like the stand doing all the work and not the user because stone free is like directly behind Jolene, like doing this punch rush, punching around her. And like the force of the punches is like blowing Jolene's hair around, but she is completely still just (laughs) letting her stand do all of the work. And it looks awesome. (laughs) It's great. It's the best. So yeah. Uh, Every bone in Gwess's face is shattered, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> which convinces her to, to, yeah, sneak Jolene out, do as she's told. Because from now on, no matter what the, the hierarchy in this prison is, Jolene is the one giving out the orders. Yeah. And that's that's the end of the episode, really. Yeah, it, it ends with Jolene looking at her little amulet again with the picture restored and she has the arrow shard. And Gwess is in the top bunk completely wrapped in bandages and all you hear her go is uh, uh, just like in absolute pain from getting completely wrecked with her butt hanging out with her you butt gotta, hanging out you gotta yep. see her butt come you on that didn't get ass. punched yeah the, the ass is the one thing that didn't get didn't get punched it's true no ass punches uh, and now we also get the first uh, uh look at the end credits for mm-hmm. stone ocean which is uh, beach time yeah 
I mean, it's set in Palm Beach. The the bird's eye view at the end of the opening is clearly like the Palm Beach shoreline, but mm-hmm. a giant fictional island added to it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, beach time. And the song is Distant Dreamer by Duffy. Mm-hmm. Part of like the, the UK blue-eyed soul wave of, of the, the 2000s. Yeah. The the delivery, like the vocal performance of the song really is, is very 50s to me. Like it's a very oh, yeah. go, going to the chapel-esque vocal performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's just a very chill. Yeah. Any yeah. credits. It's good. It's good. But there's visually, it's just the beach. Yeah. You know? It it fits the mood you want, but there's not a lot to talk about. Is what I'm is, yeah. is all I mean to say. The water is CG, but it looks really pretty. Episode three, the visitor one. We we roll with a quick recap of of what brought us to what I imagine will be episodic prison adventures for a while mm-hmm. and the OP. And now, uh, uh, Jolene is telling us about Stone Free and how it's basically two stands in one. She she got a, a combo. She got a two for congratulations. Yep. Yep. It, when it's in thread form, it's extremely long distance, uh, but it's very weak and the string can be snapped easily. Yeah, she packs the thread together. It turns into a humanoid stand with, you know, a really short, basically star platinum's range. It basically mm-hmm, has to be mm-hmm. right by her. Not strong enough to punch through iron bars or anything, but is strong enough to bend a nickel in half. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty good, actually. Like, yeah. Uh, so, so now we get Jolene just living in prison as, as a kind person in a harsh society. And this is illustrated in, in the great big line for the telephones. Mm-hmm. She is next in line, but there's this blonde lady on the phone is asking Jolene if she can do her solid and just lend her a dollar because it's been a, like a month or something since she last talked to her boyfriend or her family or whatever. She just really wants to extend the call a little bit. So Jolene just lends her a dollar, doesn't think anything of it. She goes over to the phone next to her that has just become free. And the uh, lady from the previous episode, the, the prisoner who serves the food at, at in the cafeteria, just butts in front of Jolene and goes like, hey, fuck you. This is the law of the land. Yet, yet another of the seven wonders of prison is that uh, the, the line for the phones isn't at the phones. Mm-hmm. And all the, the phone time has been claimed months in advance. So, Yep. Another lady shows up in line and uh, purchases phone time privilege with 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, like the lunch lady is just like, this is how it works. Better get used to it. <laughs> So, so yeah, she she does not make her call, but she does get 20 bucks, and this seems pretty good all around. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Gwes is there to be like, hey, I know you're new, but you have got to just destroy this blonde woman for the sake of a dollar, or you're fucked. Yeah. If you can't assert yourself enough to get a dollar back from a woman, everyone's going to know that you're a pansy and that everyone can take advantage of you. Like that lady over there. Like that 14-year-old child. What is she? No, no. What is wrong with this place? This place sucks. Because, <laughs> yeah, there's just this tiny, meek little woman getting bullied by a much larger woman. And like she and her crew. There's like three or four yeah. of them gathered around this I, this like band camp ass child <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that we're meant to believe is an adult offender. <laughs> Yeah, Gwes is just explaining, like, hey, rumors around here spread like wildfire. So, like, you have, like, until the end of today to fix this, or else you're screwed for life. This bullying victim has fucking barrettes from Claire's. What is she doing here? (laughs) 
get her out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be in the, the, the juvenile wing. Get her, get her out of here. So Jeline gets the message, and she follows the, the blonde woman from the, the phones and finds her in the reading room, which is a pretty dang well-stocked library. It's a nice-looking library, not, not going to lie. The, the blonde woman is reading a book uh, that is called Artemis's Angels, which is meant to be Apollo's Angels, a history of ballet from that, that was printed in 2010. Yeah, I, I was surprised to learn that like all of the books you see in close enough detail in this part are like off-brand versions of actual books that are time like period mm-hmm, appropriate. Mm-hmm. They didn't they did not have to do that, but they did. Much like uh, Joseph K's video games, this is something where, like, it was in the future when originally written, but the past when adapted. So yeah. uh, uh, the, the anime can make things really, really present. Probably mm-hmm. too present, too contemporary for a prison library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might actually be more realistic if they'd kept with the uh, uh, manga version where she was reading The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, yeah, there you go. Because prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so Jolene walks up and is just like, hey, you said you were going back to your cell for my dollar. Where's my dollar? And and the blonde lady's like, I'm good for it. Just get off my back. Why are you so touchy about dollars? But because this is really about, you know, figuring out the new pecking order with the new girl, there are three other prisoners at another table listening very closely. Mm-hmm. The ones that were harassing the tiny child just a moment <laughs> ago. Yeah. And they are also reading books. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them is reading The Queen of All Maladies, which is meant to be The Emperor of All Maladies, uh, Mm -hmm. that won the 2011 Pulitzer for nonfiction. Okay. The subtitle is A Biography of Cancer. Mm. Another is reading a a book called Finishing the Cat. (laughs) Which is, of course, Stephen Sondheim's Finishing the Hat, a collection of uh, his lyrics from the beginning of his career all the way up through to the mid to late 80s, along with notes and advice and annotations. And uh, when this comes out, Christmas is coming. If anybody wants to get me anything, I I would love to read Finishing the Hat one day. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Every book we see in this scene is nonfiction published in the year 2010. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is why is this? No one's reading novels? For a little bit, this this blonde lady that owes Jolene a dollar, you know, is being very nice and mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. And then the instant Jolene pushes a second time about the dollar, she gets really in her face and, and pissy, just like, hey, what why the fuck do you care about this dollar? You know, all this shit. <laughs> and then she goes back to to the nice mode and is like grabbing and like stroking Jolene's like braid that she has in the back of her head, mm-hmm. and just like, look, hey, uh, I have a friend from the outside who's going to be bringing me extra money, and you know, I'll pay you back then, and I'll give you even more than a dollar. And so Jolene just says nothing and leaves, and you know, previously established that her stand can you know bend coins in half with its mm-hmm. grip strength. <laughs> she combines that crushed coin which has been like partially crushed into a fine powder and runs that powder along her stand thread so the powder gets poured into that lady's drink yes so instead of giving a dollar she is receiving pulverized powder of of nickel and and copper mostly copper uh and apparently this causes some intestinal distress Oh, yeah, this lady has really bad shits all of a sudden. Let me just fuck up your guts real bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
super exaggerated comical faces and noises and uh, yeah. uh, poses. It's it's funny. It's mm-hmm. gross funny. So this lady immediately runs towards the bathroom because she's about to explode. And Jolene has... She's puking blood. Like, come on. Yeah. A, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jolene has locked herself in the women's bathroom just reading a book, and she refuses to open the door to let this lady in unless she pays her ten bucks. A book simply titled Selected Stories. Selected <laughs> Stories f- from what category? Uh, I don't know. Everything. Just a, it's, a, it's a little sampler of every genre. Uh, and so this lady is extremely desperate to use the, the bathroom, and so she pays Jolene the ten bucks, and like Jolene walks out like waving the ten dollars around to make sure absolutely everybody sees what she just did, which frankly a bargain when when you're going through the trouble that that lady was. Yeah, and so Jolene walks through the reading room and sees who but like her tiny little protege, I guess, and is like, "Hey, as soon as that lady's done, lock yourself in the bathroom. Uh, uh, let let me teach you the ways of my grift." Yeah. Because as Jolene leaves, she poisons the drinks of every other woman, <laughs> specifically mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. those women that were bullying the, this this little girl earlier, puts more nickel and copper in all their drinks. It's it's your job to, to dig yourself out, but he, here's a map for you. It's sort of the royal road to, uh, <laughs> yeah, to life yeah. in prison. Or the golden way. Either one, really. <laughs> so, so as Jolene is con- continuing on her day... Uh, she she's distracted by by an object rolling around. Wait a minute! Oh, that's a baseball. <laughs> yes, on the other side of the uh, gate to this library, a baseball rolls by, and then so does a little bo- a little boy. He shouldn't be here. And of course, he couldn't make the grab. He's wearing a Cubs uniform. <laughs> yep. Now in the manga, of course, it was literally straight up the Cubs. With the logo and everything. In the anime, when it first came out, they just kept, like, the red circle, but took, like, you know, the the logo off of it. They have updated this animation, I swear to God, because now they have put, like, new made-up logos, so it's, like, a Florida-based baseball team. There's, like, a little dolphin on it or something. As opposed to the actual Florida-based baseball team. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Looking at the outfit, it's still very clearly the Cubs. Mm-hmm, even with mm-hmm. all the fake stuff on it. By the way, he's number six. Is that a relevant player number? Let's see. At the time of uh, uh, publication, Ross Glode was wearing it. Uh, if you don't recognize his name, why would you? Mm-hmm. Keith Moreland was number six through the 80s. That's that's a guy. People like that guy. Okay, okay. I don't think the number, if it has any particular meaning, has a meaning related to the Chicago Cubs uh, baseball organization. Okay. But yeah, jo- Jolene sees this ball roll by, and then this kid in the, the Cubs uniform runs by to pick it up. And Jolene is very confused that there's a little boy here. And he has dire warnings. Yeah. This is a strange child. He's not normal. <laughs> He, he warns Jolene that she has a visitor coming for her noon uh, the next day, but she must not go see him, because if she does, a fate worse than death will occur. Yes. He says all this while Jolene is looking in the direction the ball rolled, and the, the boy is, like, behind that. And, like, the instant mm-hmm. she looks over to look at him, he's vanished. So she has to follow. She has, she has follow-up questions, clearly, and tries to leave, uh, but... 
the the exit to the reading room is sort of a checkpoint. She's got to like hit the buzzer and wait for a guard to give her permission. Mm-hmm. They love it when inmates read. They want to keep him in there as much as possible, I guess, because <laughs> this dude does not want to let her out. Yeah, like it's also against the rules to be touching the bars. So he like pulls his nightstick out and you know hits her on the hands really hard. And when she falls to the the floor in pain, he opens up the the gate and then like smashes her across the face with a nightstick, which knocks her out. And so we cut to uh, uh, the other side of the prison, the men's ward in the shower. And we see a guy who's got the whole world on his back. Dude, this dude. He's got the whole wide world (laughs) on his back. This dude is the most caked up character in all of JoJo. Like, Gigantic ass. His ass Hockey is player huge. Ass. It is a so shelf. You could put a drink on it. I would <laughs> like, like to. Just for just for the picture. Yeah. This is one of those dudes or or rather people. Anyone could do this trick if they've got the equipment. <laughs> Where you could just take like a, a bottle of Coke and just put it in between the cheeks and they can just hold it. They, they'll just grip it. <laughs> and there's a picture of them doing this half drunk on their Facebook and it gets them in trouble. You um, can't do it with a glass bottle or else he would hurt himself badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so like he, he finishes his shower. He gets dressed. He does a weird thing with 10 bucks. 10 bucks falls out of... Where does it fall from? It falls out of a weird pocket on his shirt. Yeah, yeah. And he just, like, nudges his shoe so that it falls inside his shoe rather than on the, the floor of the, the, like, communal prison shower. Yeah. Uh, and as he walks out, a guard is like, Hey, buddy, got some info for you. There's, there's going to be a visitor tomorrow in, in the ladies' side of the prison. That guard gets his $10 payoff, and the guard's like, hey, uh, your pants are on backwards. Obviously, his pants are on backwards. He needs to have an open fly back there to fit his massive ass. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, he, he's, he's grown since he came to prison. It's the only <laughs> way they fit now. <laughs> I guess, should we describe the look of this guy right now? He's sure, important. sure. He, he will be named in like a few scenes time. Uh, yeah. So... I, I guess it's time to talk about him. Okay, so when, when he's revealed, and you know he's got the pants on backwards and all that, and he's kind of like awkwardly shuffling towards where his clothes were next to the shower and all of this. When you see his eyes, they're like glazed over. He's got like cataracts. Yes. Totally he, he pupilless. Yeah. yeah. Underneath each eye, he has a tattoo of the Greek letter pi. Yeah, yeah. He's got long white, kind of like Sephiroth hair, but like one like strand of hair that go like of bangs that goes around one side of his face has like been braided and the top of his head like where his hair parts really he's taken a bunch of excess hair and like tied both two little bows Mm -hmm. like out of his hair and then he his shirt is like the main thing you're going to be drawn towards because it's drippy looking it's he got a lumpy sweater yeah why is it lumpy why did you do that yeah, he's just got big lumps all over his shirt, kind of as if his shirt was melting, sort of, and it was like beating up or something. I, it's it's a weird lumpy shirt, and he's got a necktie because he's a business prisoner. <laughs> yeah, the tie is weird because like all the way down the middle are like little golden like rivets or like like one half of a button really, like the the <laughs> the any part 
mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. any button. And then he's just wearing pretty basic, like, dark blue business slacks, except when you get down to the knees and below, it's got the, the, the droopies. It's got the same thing as his shirt. Yeah, it's got the same weird... His pants looks... look so sad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's basically that guy. And also, before he put his shirt back on, he had, like, a big tattoo on his back that was... I think it was just the globe... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the globe. I sang a song about it and everything. I don't know why I don't remember this. <laughs> so so now it is the next day. Uh, it's lunchtime in the mess hall, and Jolene has a lot of bandages on her hand from from that encounter at the, the library gate. Mm-hmm. And the same guard is like, oh, you're, you're like trying to get attention for your little boo-boo? This guy's a dick. He like He's when, a big dick. And, and he like hits her hand... With, mm-hmm. like, handcuffs he's swinging around. What a jerk. Yeah, he is there to tell Jolene, hey, there's a visitor for you. I gotta cuff you so I can take you there. It is currently 12.05. Uh, prophecy invalid. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So she gets taken to the, the, like, visitation chamber and given a rundown because it's her first visitor. Like, you can hold hands. Uh, you cannot get naked. Cool. None of that. <laughs> No kissing. You can receive things, but they have to go to the guards to get inspected first before they get to you. All that sort of stuff. You, you just stand here and wait for, for me to get the space ready. Mm-hmm. And then there's a rustling in a trash can. And it's the kid. The kid's in the trash can. Of course the kid is trash. He's wearing a Cubs uniform. <laughs> yeah, this kid, he reaches out from the little slot in the trash can to grab Jolene's arm. And is just begging her, like, don't go in there. It's not too late. Go back to your cell. Whatever you do, just don't go in there, please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know the actual details, and I cannot actually explain this at all, but there is just something worse than death, and it will happen if you go in there. But Jolene has to go, because what if it's this mysterious mama that we've heard about, but not in much detail? I must know more about mama. Tell me about your mama. Mm-hmm. She's so desperate to, to, like, see her and let her know that she's doing okay on the inside because she can't make a phone call. It's like a three-month waiting list. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Jolene explains all this to this kid, and there's a brief pause, and then he holds his hand out and gives Jolene something, places something in her hands. Something to comfort her. Yeah, it's a good luck charm. Yeah, yeah, because there's nothing more comforting than an animal pelvis. Yeah, she is given a bone, a pelvis bone, uh, and Jolene just goes, what? And then <laughs> before she could do anything else, like the guard just says, like, hey, it's everything's ready. You can come in. So she walks in and it is not her mom in there. It is not. It's, you know, that that guy, that guy from the OP, Jotaro Kujo. Oh, dad's here. In his brand new part six look, snakeskin pants, hot dang. Fucking, I love the snakeskin pants look for Jotaro here. His boots are snakeskin too, I believe. I'm looking at like the key art. His boots are his pants. This is one garment. It's like waders. He can go work in in a cranberry bog in these things. Jotaro Kujo, uh, still wearing basically the same type of jacket, just a new one. You know, it's still like his school uniform jacket with the tall collar with the chain on one one end of the collar. But it's bright purple with like gold zippers, uh, uh, white down each sleeve that just says Jojo over and over again. Yeah. And there's like green accents. There's a big green star 
like the the rim of his hat is green. He's yeah, he's still wearing the torn hat that fuses with his hair. Look, it's gotten more confounding with every part. I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is just one unit now. It, the hair has been grafted to the hat somehow. I, it sounds like you might have the the wiki entry open right now. How old is Jotaro at the start of part six now? He must be in his late 30s early 40s at this See, point okay he was born in 1970 so he is about 40 years old okay he looks really fucking good for 40 he looks <laughs> younger yeah. he looks he is getting younger <laughs> like there's more lines on his face now but i don't know he, he's looking pretty good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so we get the the mid-episode title card which is star platinum which is star platinum also you know slightly updated to to the new style the new like line weight and Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's Star Platinum. Star yeah. Platinum does not change as much as its wielder. Yeah. So we get a, a baby Jolene arrest flashback when we come back to the action. This this is the first time she got brought in for stealing a car at age 14. Uh, she's got a completely different look here that I love. It's uh, pretty good. It's pretty good. She's wearing, like, very low-waist camo pants mm-hmm. or waders because the, the high heels that she's wearing are also part of the camo pants. And she's wearing, like, this orange, like, singlet, I guess. Yeah, or or like a dancer's leotard. Yeah, yeah. And she has a gigantic butterfly pinned to the right side of her chest. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is the the first time Jolene was arrested. And the first time we really see her mom outside of that that small photograph yelling at a cop to be like, hey, come come on now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. She's only 14. Uh, Jolene, her hair is a little different. She doesn't have it braided in the back. It's just long in the back. She also has a giant purple star painted over her left eye. Look, I remember the mid-2000s. Everybody looked like this all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At her high school, all the girls were like this. And uh, she's a little upset that her dad isn't here, that he's instead on some trip to Tokyo. This is not Diamond is Unbreakable. The years do not line up. Mm-hmm. It's some separate trip to Tokyo, to, to Japan. Yeah. In fact, a uh, uh, part of the manga that was adapted in the first or second episode mentions a time when her dad went to Japan for a while while she was six and really sick. Mm, and that yeah. is Diamond is Unbreakable. Yep. And yeah, th- like this, this flashback is a little stylized because people are getting like spotlights pointed on them and stuff. There's a bit here where it, it appears to be Jotaro walking up towards her from the darkness and mm-hmm. when a spotlight shines on her on him and we get a closer look, it is just a weird guy dressing exactly like Jotaro. <laughs> yeah. Some weird just schlubby some guy. Schlub. Yeah. Uh, and that's the end of the, the flashback. So Jotaro gets like two words out to Jolene, which is just like, hey, that pendant. Well, that's three. And Jolene just immediately turns towards the guard and just double like double fist Captain Kirk punches him across the jaw and knocks <laughs> yes. him the hell out. Uh, because she would rather get sent to, to solitary and lose visitation privileges than have to deal with him visiting her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jodoro's like, okay, well, this sucks. But anyway, I've got important business <laughs> to talk to you about. Uh, there's a guy trying to kill you in here. You got to know some shit. <laughs> yeah. And like the guy responsible for putting you in jail, not Romeo. It's this dude who wants to kill you. Romeo, the judge, the lawyer, they were all dancing along to, to the puppet master's string pulling. Believe me, we know a lot about string pulling now. Uh, <laughs> uh, of John Gallier, the, the man with the droopy clothes. <laughs> yes. John Gallier, 
first name, A, last initial. That is yes. that is his name. John Gallier, yep. Named for designer John, first name, Galliano, last name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's former creative director at Givenchy and Dwar. Dwar fired him for an anti-Semitic outburst caught on camera. Oh my god. Roughly about the time this is set, so years, years after a character was named for him. <laughs> yeah. Well then, yeah, Jotaro has like a picture of John Gallier that he lays out on the table in this room. And yeah, he, he just details that John Gallier set all this up. He hired henchmen to kill a random guy and chuck this random guy into this car, into the car Jolene was in. And get Romeo to react the way he did, and the, the lawyer to double-cross her, and the judge to not pay attention to how bizarre this legal proceeding is. <laughs> yeah. All to get her in this prison where he is so she can die. Yeah. He could have just hired people to shoot her, right? Like, mm -hmm. you could just shoot a kid. <laughs> I don't think you should. I just want to be clear. I don't think you should. No. But you you could do it. If you yeah. wanted a dead kid, you could just... <laughs> and she is asking Jotaro, like, why would a guy even want me dead? I'm like 16 or something. I don't know. 16 years old, joyriding in Florida. She's There's alligators out here. She's going to just be patient. She's going to die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Jotaro just explains, hey, the reason why he wants to kill you is because of the Joestar blood that flows through you. She's never heard of the Joestars, so she's very confused. I love having them side by side in the scene because of how, like, because of the contrast. Mm -hmm. Like, we've been watching Jotaro Kujo for most of his life, and he's flat and reserved, and however powerful his feelings are, you're lucky to see a smirk. Yeah. Jo Jolene's emotions on her sleeve at all times. Oh, Whenever yeah. she gets bad news, she just kicks the shit out of this prison guard more as he lies there. <laughs> yeah. No internal life. She's big and bold and, and violent and great. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Jotaro's you know, briefly explaining the Joestar lineage. Uh, and also explains like, hey, so when I was younger, I killed the shit out of a guy who hated the Joe stars. That's all you need to know. But he left behind even more dudes than we thought. Yes, there are still remnants of Dio uh, uh, servants in the world, even in the 2010s. And John Gallier is one of them. He never met Dio, but was still so fiercely loyal to him that he wants to kill the Joe stars. With his incredible combat skills as a decorated world-class sniper. Yes, he's a, he is a war veteran. So Jotaro's asking her, like, hey, did you get a stand? By the way, this is what stands are. She doesn't say anything. She just has a visible reaction on her face. And she's like, okay, yep, you got a stand. I didn't pa and he's explaining, like, I didn't pass, you, pass on any stand stuff to you specifically, but you do have potential for it. So I'm, I'm glad you got a punch ghost. And also the whole time this conversation is happening, because, you know, they're just talking at a table. We're getting a bunch of different camera angles. We're getting uh, cam ominous camera angles from the AC vent in the ceiling. Mm -hmm, we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're seeing, like, as if we're crawling around the air ducts and peering through it, watching their conversation. And more and more condensation, little by little, building up until eventually there's a drip. Mm -hmm. Jolene, um, she wants to leave. She yeah. goes to, like... <laughs> She goes to, like, grab the iron bars and, like, shout for a guard. And when she does that, 
she's no longer wearing handcuffs, and she doesn't know how that happened. Mm-hmm, and at mm-hmm. the same time, Jotaro gets caught off guard because suddenly there's a lit cigarette in the ashtray, and he has no idea who lit that or how that got there all of a sudden. So so now we see the difference between, you know, a, a brash, headstrong hero and, you know, Jotaro with all this, these many years of experience. He knows they're already in a fight and therefore losing. Just as Jotaro is going to tell Jolene, hey, get the hell away from that, you know, the window. Uh, Jolene gets shot. Yes, yes. She gets shot square in the shoulder. And you'd think, oh, man, that 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 practically grazed her heart she's in a bad way but no i instinctually in the smallest possible moment of time her strings wove a thick mat in the shape of a hand like a a a scarf arm came to Mm -hmm. grab the bullet so it's only a superficial wound yeah and we see all this happen like you know with time frozen because this is jotaro's like checking out the scene Mm-hmm. With Star he froze time, time for detective reasons. Yes. Now both Jolene and Jotaro kind of like up against the, the side of this door, just trying to barely peer through the little grate, mm-hmm, try mm-hmm. to see if they can find their enemy. And like Jotaro's observing the, the bullet that Jolene stopped and going like, yep, this is a this is like a this is a sniper round. We got a sniper from like a real gun, not a not a gun that is a ghost. Yeah, this is a real ass gun. You know, Jotaro's explaining, like, you know, how could anyone get a sniper rifle in here? And it's just like, hey, if you pay off the guards, you can just sneak in the rifle part by part in other things. Like like a ham, like a, a cheese, ham. <laughs> like a pack of giraffe wides rather than camel slims. I love that when you see all the different <laughs> objects and then you get, like, the transparency on top where you see the gun parts in them, the ham is holding, like, half of a sniper rifle in it. There are so <laughs> many gun parts in that ham. <laughs> Camel wides. What? Yeah, camel wides. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture a wide cigarette. It's not. It's like an oval. It's not round. Yeah, it's in between a cigarette and a cigar, size wise. I would think. Uh, but yeah, what is? What, I gotta check. What is hidden in the ham? Uh, it looks like a scope, potentially the stock, five rounds of, of ammo, and then what looks like maybe like part of the upper receiver of the gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a lot in a ham it's a big ham it's a big ham so so they like take more protected positions at the window to peek out into the hallway and see how how he could have possibly made this shot all the way from from the men's wing uh into the visiting room here through the window that's impossible mm-hmm. and they see most of a pokemon you add eyes to this thing that's a fucking pokemon oh yeah the, the, there's an enemy stand out in the hallway it's a little thing it looks like a ghost-type Pokemon, basically. It looks like a ceiling fan is blooming. Yes. And your car keys are dangling beneath it. Yeah, there are two very obviously just car keys-shaped objects dangling from it. And it's not really doing anything. It's just kind of lazily floating around in the air. It's just floating around. It doesn't have a name yet, so don't really know what's happening yet. But they mm-hmm. see it, and they're like, that's that's something. That's doing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they try to figure out what it responds to because it's it's not reacting to anything visual. It's not reacting to their voice. And mm. Jolene has a hunch and it takes a while for her to find the words. But she is correct that it's just like following wind currents. It's following the motion of the air. Yeah. She shoots out like two threads to like graze it. And when it does that, when she does that, it just kind of pushes the, the this little sand away. It just floats away. 
and like Jotaro's pissed because he just wants to observe it from afar and not fucking touch it. <laughs> but yeah, they're able to figure out that it's it's moving around on air currents. Uh, and this is when the prison guard that got knocked out wakes up <laughs> and is ultra pissed. Yeah, the, uh, somebody's in big trouble. <laughs> and as this prison guard starts moving and shouting and you know stirring up the air around him, uh, this causes the, the enemy stand to pick up speed and start coming right towards them. This guard like rears up, getting ready to swing his his uh, baton at Jolene, and so Jotaro leaps in the way so she doesn't get hit. And the instant that happens, Jotaro gets shot in the shoulder. The bullet passes through him, and then also <laughs> shoots the guard in the head, killing him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, taking a bullet for your daughter does not make you a good dad, mm-hmm. but it is helpful in the moment. You know? Yeah. 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 So Jotaro has been shot, and the final shot of this episode is just Jolene, like, actually scared seeing her dad getting shot in the frickin' shoulder. He came to bust her out. He's like, oh, oh, your stand can't punch the walls down? My can. Uh, (laughs) They're not gonna stop us. Oh, oh, shit. Stand fight. Oh, no. Oh, no. I've been shot. Oh, no. Yep. Uh, And yeah, that's the end of the the three episodes for today. So, yeah, what what an introduction. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. Jo- Jolene makes a strong, strong first impression. Oh, yeah. I think, like, she is the, the crudest. She is the most, like, she's the one who vents her frustrations and, and yeah. anger most openly in a really, like, cathartic way. Because her life is also the worst. Everything sucks for her. Yeah, yeah. Didn't bring it up, like, while we were talking through the episodes, but she does like yell and scream in frustration a lot and kira buckland is really good at at vocalizing that just the types of like screams she does all all of our jojos have been teenagers mm. uh but something that is so core to like teenage stories and that teenage experience is feeling like the world is out to get you yeah. and none of the others have really had that mm. like i think giorno touched on a different teenage feeling that you you've got it figured out. You're ready to take on the world. They're they're not ready for you. That's yeah, that's yeah. But but Jolene has the other side. Like no, the world sucks, and I am like fated to be shit on, especially. Yeah, I th- I also think Jolene is a nice contrast to Jorno from Part Five because Jorno is like part of a larger cast. There's lots of times where Jorno is more in the background as you know whoever else takes front and center a lot of the time bruno in part six like throughout all of it jolene is like the main character Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. we get a lot of jojo in part six because jolene is basically always front and center we do get other you know allies and stuff like every other part that also get a good amount of focus too but jolene is like always present for the most part and it's yeah i'm I'm surprised that that. the third episode had no ermis in it especially with the second episode being like oh by the way uh (laughs) yeah 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 we got jotaro father issues to tackle first i think Mm -hmm. uh yeah jolene has it gives off a really strong impression from the get-go she's she's basically great from the start and she feels like even like a lot of times in jojo like the writing and like the character of that jojo might change a little bit over time just because iraqi you know is just kind of changing out who they are over time jolene these these things take years yeah yeah jolene feels like fully realized basically from the Mm get-go 
and I think that's part of the reason why she she you know she comes off so strong and and, and at the, from the start like you know I haven't read through all of part six yet I'm close uh but I like Jolene a lot she might be one of my favorites actually <laughs> <laughs> she has some really fun moments like they the part six has a lot of fun with her personality and also yeah after having so many parts that are kind of travelogues or a little globe trotty for sure uh we're back to another part that's like at least for now very much in just one singular location mm-hmm, even smaller mm-hmm. than part four it's not even a city it's just a prison uh i think my favorite part that didn't get mentioned is immediately after uh loco rococo's briefing someone mm-hmm. just says oh crocodile oh yeah yeah <laughs> Because there's a sh- crocodile outside. We get yeah. a tiny little insert of where the crocodile is on the grounds of the prison. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Jolene's stand, extremely cool looking design-wise. I like that it's just string that she can form into a humanoid stand. I think that's neat. I mean, and, and look at all of the tricks we've gotten so far. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's a delivery vehicle for poison. It is an espionage stand for c- to listen through. It can move small objects around very quickly and it can punch your face off yeah yeah like she hasn't done it yet but it also makes logical sense that she could use that string like a grappling hook probably and like zip around spider-man style or something mm-hmm. kind of like what uh joseph did with hermit purple well unless uh the string alone is not strong yeah. enough to carry her weight with the added g's of the the pendulum swing that's true i don't know i don't know Maybe it could get stronger if she uses multiple threads or something. Mm, Maybe yeah, she can, yeah, yeah. like, you know, twist it together and make a rope. She can twist it together to make body armor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something I think is interesting about part six is JoJo is known for being, you know, super colorful, shifting color palettes all the time. And part six is doing that too. But the setting it's in is like a setting that is just naturally devoid of color. It's just yeah. concrete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoy how, like, scuffed up and worn and just aged and dirty the walls are though yeah nothing looks clean in this prison it's all gross looking like there's a lot of you know wear and tear and disuse and uh uh, like it doesn't look nice which uh means what there is instead is a lot of visual interest on what could Mm -hmm. be just like sheer blank walls um also it only happens a couple times in these first few episodes but we see the part four thing come back of like non-important people in the background just being like silvery silhouettes yeah 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 i'm very excited for the next two episodes uh because like even though the next episode episode is called the visitor two and then episode five is prisoner of love those are actually two like episodes two and three of a three-parter really (laughs) but the next two episodes i really liked when i first watched them so i'm very excited to to see these again it's like we've only got one real stand fight so far and it was a pretty simple one yeah yeah like when we get into the more uh the the more like real stand fights they're interesting too because they are they do feel a little different approach wise from like part five i mean i'm i'm very excited to see more of like this cast getting filled out Mm -hmm. and what it means to have a punch ghost when your enemy is institutional violence (laughs) yeah yeah it's a completely different problem from a vampire wants to eat me, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, at every minute of my day is in 
under the control of someone I've never met and uh, uh, all of these different arms of, of bureaucracy and, and institutions uh, in between us. It's yeah. very, very different. Yep. And I like, like there's even explicit dialogue and it, uh, when Jolene's trying to get on the phone. You know, it's when she's introducing her powers at the start of the episode and she, she's thinking about her stand and all of that. And she thinks, you know, even though I've got this, you know, incredible new power, it's not strong enough to get me out of prison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So come on back next week to follow Jolene's next steps trying to get out of prison in less than 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> or we'll be talking about episodes four through six, The Visitor 2, Prisoner of Love, and Ermis's Stickers. Mm. Oh, she's a scrapbooker. That's nice. Oh, but that does mean we are back making the show regularly, week to week, talking about the anime, uh, which means it's a great time to uh, tell people that we're back, that the, the mm-hmm. long wait is over, the drought is broken, and every Monday, every Monday is Dogs Must Die Day again. It felt like a long and short wait at the same time. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So we, we do appreciate uh, hearing your feedback. Uh, I, I'm sure that if I cast my mind some weeks in the future, I'll be seeing some very excited people, and I know it's going to warm my heart. So mm. why not uh, tell your friends and, and have them join on that train? And hey, uh, giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere can also communicate the love, share the joy uh, uh, around around the whole world, you know? Yeah. JoJo's global. <laughs> it's even in Florida. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, until then, see you next time. To be continued. Continued.